Yes. Good morning. How's everyone feeling today? You guys all right? It's a cold, rainy day. We had Sebastian all dressed up and ready to go. We got to the front door waiting for the Uber, and he's just like sneezing and coughing. Like, no, no, this isn't going to happen. So we left him with Grandma, uh, safe and toasty, and uh, he likes it time with her. So here's something that maybe you didn't know. I'm almost 40. Uh, yeah, I got like a year and a half left, and then I'm the big 4-0, right? Which is kind of weird. Uh, and my wife says that I have the, uh, the literary taste of a, a freshman girl. And uh, there's nothing wrong with being a freshman girl if you're a freshman girl. But if you're a 40-year-old dude, I feel like, you know... But hey, I don't have a problem with reading the same books that Claire is reading, right? We're, we're, you know, that's cool. I call it research, right? Because I work with high school kids. So uh, I'm reading this book called Superpowered, which actually, uh, hey, all right, really? Yes. Come on. Yeah. Iceland actually recommended it to us, and uh, I, I like it. And it's about these, like, ki- these uh, college kids that have superpowers, and they're in university to like, learn to be uh, superheroes, right? They're going to get a BA in superheroosity or whatever your superhero BA looks like. And, um, and some of them have really cool powers, right? Some of them can fly, and one of them can, like, absorb fire and, like, shoot it. And, like, you know, someone's, like, super, super strong. And this is one guy that he's, his superpower is just kind of lame. He just, like, controls luck, which I feel like, you know, of all the superhero powers, that's not the one that you really want. And I can relate to him because I feel like my superhero power is kind of lame also. Uh, anybody here ever taken the Strength Finder? Anybody have strength finders? I've taken it three times, and I always get the same, like, six uh, strengths. And the number one strength that I've gotten, the other five kind of move around. But the one that I always get number one every single time is positivity. (laughs) Positivity. Yeah, right? I'm looking at all these others. We got maximizers and, like, uh, uh, intellect and uh, ideation and relator. And I'm like, I want to be a relator, right? And I'm positivity, which basically means that I see the positive in all situations or, or most situations, right? And I can spin things to, like, good, which is not so lame, I guess, you know? Uh, and you bring a lot of energy to the space. And so I'm, I'm cool with that. That's okay, right? Uh, but, you know, sometimes I feel like I wish I had something a little bit more, you know, useful, I guess. And I, when I think about where that comes from, um, I have to attribute this to my dad. And, and this is why. When I was a kid, uh, my dad would always, uh, always, like the lessons that we, you know, we got from my dad or whatever, um, one of the lessons that he would always tell us was, um, you could do it angry or you could do it happy but you're going to do it, right? And that was like, you know, anytime I had a bad attitude about some task that I had to do, it was always that. And my dad would drag me around to do, like, all these different, like, uh, things with him, right? Like, I had to serve at the church, and I had to, you know, help out in the parking lot at the church, and uh, we'd, have, we'd put away chairs at the end of the service, and I was like, oh, I hate this. And my dad would like, you could do it ang- angry, or you could do it happy, but you have to do it. And, like, and so some of the times I'd choose, I'm going to do this angry, because, you know, why not, right? Uh, but often, and more often than not, I would like, I realized that I could affect the outcome of a situation and that I had power over myself and, and to change a, a mundane task that was frustrating or, ang- you know, or, or burdensome to a, a fun, joyful moment, right, when I just changed my attitude, right? And so my dad gave me, like, this power, this ability to, like, um, you know, like change uh, some of the tasks, right? And um, 
And often, uh, it gave me power over situations, right, that I, that I, that I didn't think I could have. And uh, so it kind of created these, these patterns in my life of, of kind of being able to take dark and hard situations or, or moments that I kind of am struggling or, or, or tasks that I maybe don't like to do and, and turn them into some kind of positive, right? And oftentimes when we talk about joy, we talk about something kind of along those lines, right? We talk about uh, just kind of adjust the internal temperature of your, of, of your emotions and you'll be joyful, right? Um, and uh, let me look at a rainbow or let me, uh, you know, and everything's going to be fine. Let me just look at some bright colors and everything will be great. You know, think of ponies and bubbles and balls and balloons and everything will be happy and great, right? And you know, oftentimes we think joy kind of is something along those lines. And, um, and you know, I was, as I was preparing today, we're, we're in our uh, third week of our Advent series. Uh, we talked about hope. Uh, we talked about peace. And today we're talking about joy. And so I was looking up joy and looking at kind of where, what, what are some things about joy? And, and um, I found this, uh, this blog uh, called The Aesthetics of Joy. And it's Ingrid Fatel Lee. And uh, when she, you know, her thing is that you can access joy by through tangible physical attributes, right? A- aesthetics, essentially. Uh, and she talks about like, you know, if you're, if you're really, if you're sad, just put on some nice clothes. So I put on some nice clothes today. You know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to just be like Butch, really. This is just my heart. I'm going to say it every week, every time, all the time, right? And, uh, you know, I need a hat. I'm, I'm, not, I'm working on the hat. I'm, I'm working on the hat. Moving up. I got the scarf today, you know. I'm trying, I'm trying, right? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, and, 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 yeah, you can get some levels of joy through, uh, through looking at, you know, balloons and bubbles and, and uh, you know, dressing nice and, and, and puppies, you know, holding on to puppies, uh, except that in my house we're all allergic, so we can't have any puppies, right? But what happens when life gets overwhelming? And what happens when uh, uh, there's just more darkness than light? And like now in winter, and it's dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. You know what happens when uh, tragedy strikes, and you just can't seem to make that switch? And, and it's, it's just more than what you can... Um, more than what you can bear. And how do, we, how do we find joy in those moments? You know, I used to think everything was rosy and I could, just, I could just switch. I could just make that switch no matter what I was doing. And then my father passed away. And it's been a year. And I'm still sad. And I feel it all the time. And I can't just shut it off. And... Um, You know, there's a hole in my heart, and it hurts. And thinking of balloons and bubbles, they just, they just can't, they're just not enough. You know, my mom used to tell me uh, when I, back when I had a car, uh, Jesus gets out of your car at 65 miles an hour, right? <laughs> Which I think she was trying to encourage me to slow down a little bit. And uh, I looked at her one time that she was, she told it all the time, right? My parents were all wear full of these little one-liners, right? <laughs> but uh, I told her one time, uh, she's like, Alberto, you know, Jesus gets out of your car at 65. She actually said this recently at, uh, last time we were there. Jesus gets out of your car at 65. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, I need a stronger Jesus. And you know what? I need a stronger Jesus for this moment. 
I need, I need a Jesus that can handle more than 65 miles an hour. I need a Jesus that can handle more than the darkness that I'm facing, more than the sadness. And you know what? The Jesus that I found in the Bible is a stronger Jesus. And he can handle my pain. And he can handle my hard days. He can handle my darkness. He can handle the tough moments. And you know what? I need a joy that's stronger too. I need a joy that's stronger than the Julianders, uh, Andrew's kind of joy. The little spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. You know, I need a stronger than uh, raindrops on roses and, and, and mittens on kittens. Uh, I don't know if that's the way it works, but everyone's allergic to cats in my house, so we can't have kittens, right? You know, and brown paper packages tied up in string. Amazon's dropping boxes off of my door, and they're not filling the hole in my heart. I need a stronger joy. And friends, that's the joy that we find in the Christmas joy. And we've often labeled it and wrapped it up in, in, in the bubbles, in the wrapping paper, and the smiles, and, the, and, and sometimes it can be authentic, inauthentic, and, and we can feel fake. But I need a joy that can last, and I need a joy that can pierce through the darkness. And this is the joy that we have this is the joy that God offers us, and this is the Christmas joy. It was, uh, it was a dark night, right? Uh, Mary and Joseph had traveled for miles, for days, Mary being super pregnant. And, and having gone through uh, uh, my wife being pregnant and seeing what delivery is like, I can't imagine what it must have been like for this couple to be traveling with Mary pregnant on a donkey and then arriving in a town and not having a place to stay. And the stress and the pressure and the, and the fear and the anxiety and the, and the pain of that moment, right? And then delivering in a manger in a cave in some dank uh, um, stable, right? There's no doula. There's no ice chips. There's no uh, midwife or comfy warm blankets that they just took out of the oven, which were really more for me than for my wife, but they were great. Um, it was messy. It was painful. And close by on that same night, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. This wasn't some fun thing either. They weren't like out camping with their friends. You know, they didn't have Larry out there cooking them stuff, you know, on his portable grill. They were out in the middle of the night. They were doing the night shift, right? They lived out in these little tents out in the field. And in this cold and dark night, Pulling the, the graveyard shift, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, this light that interjected, that, that this uh, injecting light into this dark moment, the injecting interruption, this angel announcing that this Messiah was born and that it was Christ. Christ is Greek for Messiah. Messiah is, Christ, is Greek for Christ and uh, is, is Hebrew. Sorry, let me start that again. Let me clarify. Christ is Greek for Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew for Christ. 
<laughs> and uh, they mean anointed one. You know, if we can think about our, uh, our, the spiritual temperature of our country today, if we think of the uh, emotional temperature of our country today, if we think about the uh, economic climate, uh, if we thought that our government was bad, this happened in the moment, in the middle of Roman oppression, in the middle of this Roman darkness, in the middle of this time in their lives, in this period of Israel, when darkness had set in, when spiritual, uh, uh, the spiritual climate was, was dark and cold, and in the midst of this sorrow and this sadness, light shines in the darkness. And this angel appears and announces with them, I have news, and this news is going to be of great joy. Because this is announcing God with us, Emmanuel. In the midst of the sorrow and the sadness and the difficulty of that dark night, there was light. And that's the kind of joy that we can find in Scripture. A joy that is not... Uh, just when they're happy days and things are all great and everything's smiling and there's bubbles all around you and you're just walking around with balloons. It's the kind of joy that can appear in the midst of the sorrow and the sadness that won't go away. Jeremiah 31, 13 says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I did a word search on joy and so many places in Scripture, so many places in, in the Bible, joy is paired with sorrow. That there is a moment of sorrow, but then joy arrives. And that joy comes not through a present or a prize or looking at colors, but through presence of the living God. In James uh, chapter 1, it says, uh, verse 2, it says, Consider pure joys, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. And, and, and the verse right after that continues. Why? Because the, you, these trials create perseverance, and the perseverance creates maturity, and the maturity uh, makes you complete, not lacking anything, right? Certainly, it wasn't this encouragement to celebrate the trial or to celebrate the the. The, the struggle or the sorrow. It's not that we're supposed to be grateful. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad that my dad passed away. No, but it's in the midst of this sorrow and pain. Consider it joy. Why? Because of not what I'm going through, but keeping my eyes on what is promised. And see, my grandmother passed away uh, last week. And again, it was like this reminder of the sorrow that I'm bearing and this sadness, right? But it also brought this revelation and this realization that, guys, our hope and our what we're holding on to is not in this place and in this world and here and now. But we are holding on to a hope and a faith that Jesus is stronger and greater than this moment in this world and in this life. And that one day, we will be with him. And the promise is that there will be no more tears, and no more sorrow, and no more sickness, and no more death. 
And my grandmother's passing just kind of reminded me so much of this, that we get so uh, focused on what's here and now. But Scripture tells us, set your heart on things above because that's where our joy lies. And that can't be taken from us. We will all know the truth one day. My grandmother knows the truth today. And she's walking with the Lord. And she's walking with my dad. And they're waiting for me. And one day I will join them. And that is when the end of sorrow will be. The end of sadness. The end of, uh, of this world and the pain. Right? Even Jesus himself felt the joy mixed with overwhelming struggle and suffering. Right? Hebrews 12 verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The, the author and perfecter of our faith. For, this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, it is not just, Jesus wasn't happy and excited that he was going to face the cross, but he knew that he had to go through this, and at the end of this, there would be joy because of what this trial would bring. And that was unity with us, forgiveness of sin, closest reconciliation that my life could be reconciled to God. And that gave him joy in the midst of the moment. See, joy is a presence. It's, it's something that's beyond this here and now. It is the presence that allows us that joy, that gives us that joy. And that joy can uh, seep into even the most darkest of places. See, it's not about when things are really, really great that that joy finds its place into our hearts, but it is in the moments of darkness and sorrow that that joy can be ours. And it's not this inauthentic, let's just laugh and joke and, 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 and just put on really nice clothes and just pretend. No, it's a sad, it's a, there is the sadness. It is not, n- not um, forgetting or covering over the, the sadness or the sorrow. It's not inauthentic, but it is acknowledging the sorrow and the sadness. It is acknowledging the presence of that pain and the struggle. And in the midst of that, still light piercing into that darkness. Because it comes from inside, not from the outside. So think about it this way, right? If I turn on this flashlight, right, it's not that impressive. And it's not that powerful and it's not that exciting. Because there's light all around us. But when my mom was sitting in darkness for three months because of Maria, and, you know, having a flashlight was all the world and all the difference. And if you go home and, and, and it's dark and it's night and you turn this flashlight, I, this is my bike flashlight, right, when I'm riding my bike uh, late at night or 4.30 in the afternoon on a, you know, during the winter, right? This light is more than just a this little bright thing, this saves my life because people can see it and they know I'm coming. And this light illuminates my path. And that's what joy can be for us. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and not in the moment where everything's bright and rosy and shiny, but in the moment of darkness and in that sorrow, the light of Christ illuminates because the light is presence. You know, Sebastian, when he was... Um, when we took him to Puerto Rico uh, the last few times, and uh, especially now this time when we were in Puerto Rico and uh, being at the funeral for my grandmother and, and all these things, 
uh, Sebastian was literally just the bringer of joy. There would be people in tears and crying and sad, and, and the moment they saw Sebastian, it was like all this was gone because he brought joy. And it wasn't because of what he did. It wasn't that he would like, he had a, we, we've been practicing this tap dance that he's working on. He's not doing really good at it, but, you know, he'll get there, right? Um, but it wasn't what he would do. It was just who he is that brings joy. And it's that same presence. It was, uh, it's not in all that Jesus will do for us, but it is in his presence with us that we know that there is joy. And it's, it's, it's sorrow and joy wrapped up in one heart. Um. Of course, that's a lot of pressure on Sebastian, right? <laughs> but it's not. It's not pressure because it's not what he's doing. It's who he is. And it's the same for Christ. It's not about all that he's going to do for me, but it's who he is in me and walking with me and being present with me. John fifteen eleven says this. I have told you this. This is Jesus speaking. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That my joy may have its cause and object in Christ and in nothing else. It is the presence of Christ in our lives. And so as there's more presence of Jesus in me, that produces change from the inside out. And uh, the presence of God, think about it less about um, someone just kind of walking with you, and think about it more as standing in the sun. And uh, if you forgot what the sun feels like, you know, because it's been winter for a thousand years. Uh, I have a problem with winter, okay? Right? I'm sad, and it's just making things worse. Right? But um, <laughs> a friend of mine uh, uh, compared the presence of God to getting a suntan. You don't you don't just kind of stand in the sun and just kind of quickly. It's not a quick thing. It's, and it's not something that you just, you know, you, well, you can't spray a suntan on, but that's, you know, that's fake, right? It's, you got to get out there in the sun and you got to sit there and you got to let the rays soak into your skin and you got to let the, let the sun just kind of warm your body and you got to let that slowly change your color from, well, pink in some of your cases, right, I guess. But, um, but allow that sun to just soak in and the presence of God in the same way. We need to find places where it can just soak in. But this is the promise, right? As we have the living presence of God in our lives, as there is more and more presence of Jesus in me, it transforms me. It transforms you. It transforms our lives. And it makes us different. The fruit of the Spirit, what the, what the presence of God produces in you and in me is love, is joy, is peace. It's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's self-control. As the presence of God is more and more uh, invited into our space, it produces this in us. And so how do we uh, practice this? How do, we, how do we live this out? What does this look like for us as we walk and deal in pain and sorrow or darkness? How do I, how do I live this out? How do I practice this? And uh, one 
tool I'm going to give us today or one practice, right? And, the, uh, and this is from uh, Brene Brown, right? And she, she talks about to be able to feel joy, there needs to be a practice of gratitude. And, uh, and practice is important here, right? Because we often don't think about having to practice uncertain uh, things, right? We put practice into certain boxes, right? You practice a musical instrument. You practice if you're going to, you know, uh, play a sport. You practice, uh, you know, there are certain areas of our life that we say practice works. And there's other areas of life that we don't really think about practice very often, right? And she talks about the practice of gratitude and that as we step into uh, to this it's not just, it, it, it means that, hey, you might not be really good at it at the beginning. You know, I used to play the clarinet uh, when I was a kid, and I had to practice a lot. And at first, I sounded like, you know, some kind of goose in heat. It was just terrible. It was bad, and my neighbors hated it, right? And, uh, and it was really, really bad, so I gave that up, and I decided I'm going to play the drums because I'm a boy, and that's better, right? Someone lied to me because girls play the drums too, right? Anyways. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that because I felt like, you know, we need to be clear on that. Uh, Claire, if you want to play the drums, you can play the drums. Okay, I just want you to know that. You can do whatever you want, okay? I feel like Claire is the, the object of all of our illustrations and stories, right? She's just like everybody. Like, Larry's in the back like, pick your own kid! <laughs> um... I started playing the drums instead, and at first I was also really, really terrible, and it was even worse because it was driving my neighbors crazy. But then after like a few years, I got better, right? And so in the same way with, with gratitude, the same way with joy, and the same way with allowing the presence of God, right? These are things that we can practice also, and maybe at first it's, you're not going to be so good at it. But as you practice and as you give yourself over to it, the practice of gratitude, we fear uh, Dr. Brene uh, Brown said this, uh, the most terrifying and difficult emotion we feel as humans is joy. We fear feeling joy because we fear that we will lose whatever we have that brings us that joy. And so, uh, you know, even like the illustration of Sebastian, right? There's a moment where Sebastian won't be around. And even sometimes... For me, there's been moments when I hold on to Sebastian and I'm at home and it's like 4.30 and it's dark. I'm just going to drive that home. And I hold him and I'm so in love with this little boy. And yet I hold him and I just sit in my room and I'm still sad. And I just hold him for like 45 minutes just standing there in sadness. Because sometimes it's not enough. Right? But when we practice the joy that comes from Christ. That is a joy that cannot be taken away. That is a joy that cannot be removed. That is a power, that is a connection, that is because it doesn't come from an external thing that the world has power over. It comes from God who has power over the world. And it comes from the inside and it pours out because there is nothing that can separate me from that love of God. Right? Not even death. Because all that death will do is bring me closer to the source of my joy, which is Jesus Christ. And so for us, I want us to take a moment to practice gratitude. And this is how we make room for God in our lives. 
We invite him to be a part of the space that we inhabit uh, in being grateful for the things he's given us, in being grateful for him and who he is, in, in practicing this gratitude, in, in focusing, right? You, you will find what you are searching for. And if you are looking at, the, at life and saying this is bad or this sucks, then that's what it will be, right? And so as our minds go, our bodies go as well. And so as we are con consistently practicing inviting God's presence by being grateful for what he has given us, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, that presence brings with it joy. I want to end with this. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come on up. That's your sign. <laughs> and as we head into communion, as we close... I want to read Psalm uh, 30. And this is this, for his anger only lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I used to get these really wicked stomach aches and, and ear aches, and, and they all, I don't remember them happening during the day. I only remember them happening at night. And they would keep me up all night, and I, and I remember being just like a kid and just lying in bed and just saying, just wait for the morning. Just wait for the morning. Just wait for the morning. And in the midst of this sorrow and in the midst of the sadness of this moment and of this world, our hope our joy comes in the morning. And if we can just hold on to Jesus, his joy comes in the morning. Verse 11, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. And so this is what I want to invite us to do. As we're participating in communion, let us remember that it is Jesus who died, who rose again, who is present to give us that lasting joy inside that sustains, that builds, that gets us through the dark of the night. And what I want to invite us to do is uh, we're going to put a mic in the back and as you participate in uh, communion, if you would like to, I'd like us to just take a moment to practice that gratitude, to invite the presence of God into our lives by thanking him for the things that he has done or for who he is to us. And so I'm going to invite you You participate in communion if you want to share something you're grateful for. And I'll start us off. Jesus, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for... Jesus, thank you for my grandmother. Thank you for the legacy that she left me of following Jesus and doing ministry. Thank you for my father who taught me so many things, but most importantly, taught me to love you and to search for you. Thank you for this church who holds each other in the midst of sorrow to feel the joy of the Lord together.
Thank you.